Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. As we uh, turn our Bibles to the book of Judges, Judges is in the Old Testament. About uh, seven books in from the front cover of the Bible. Book of Judges chapter 2, and just kind of give you a a foundation of what's taking place here. The children of Israel have already uh, come out of Egypt and uh, led by Moses. And then after wandering in the desert for 40 years, waiting for the promise to come about, Moses dies and Joshua leads them into the promised land. And they take the promised land. The walls of Jericho fall and they see God do some great things. They they dis possess the people that are living in that land and they take possession of this land, this land called the land flowing with milk and honey. But as Joshua gets older, Joshua passes away and after Joshua dies, there is no Joshua to take over for Joshua. Moses had a Joshua, but there is no Joshua to take over for Joshua. And so as a result, this is where we pick it up in Judges chapter 2. It says, and also that generation, someone say generation, Generation. were gathered unto their fathers. In other words, that's a fancy way of saying they died. All that generation died and there arose another, everyone say generation, generation, after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to see what a generation is. A generation is more than just an age group. A generation, according to the Hebrew, can be an ideology. It could be an era. Or it could be a group of people that live with a specific purpose. A generation isn't always just an age group. But we see what ends up happening is that the children of Israel, all those that had come out of Egypt, all those that had possessed the land, the promised land, have now died. And something has taken place where now that whole generation has passed away. And now another generation rises up that doesn't know who God was. In fact, you want to talk about generations. You have the promised land generation. You got those that are looking forward to taking the promised land. But then you also have what the Great Depression generation. How many of you uh, had grandparents that were that that were going that went through the Great Depression? Few of you? You, you, you're familiar with what the Great Depression is. Many of us don't know hard times. These individuals went through hard times. Some of our grandparents went through that, that Great Depression. But also, for, for those of you that might not be uh, old enough to remember the Great Depression, you do remember the Civil Rights Movement. Right? That the civil rights movement in the 60s and the 70s where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was leading a civil rights movement and so forth. And then in the 70s, there was also a Jesus movement as well. There was a movement, awakening of the Jesus movement where people, all these uh, hippies just had a great encounter with God and it totally transformed their lives. Each one of these could be referred to as a generation. 
There, there were a group of ideologies, a group of people that gathered for specific purpose. But I want you to know this. The Bible says that a, there arose another generation, another ideology that didn't know. Everyone say no. That word no in the Hebrew is yada. It's not Yoda, okay? Yada for all you Star Wars fans. So it says yada. That word yada literally means, it talks about to, to have an understanding. It's not just to, to know or to, it's not just an information. It's an understanding. It literally means to know or to understand. It's more about comprehension than information, it's about being able to understand. And the problem is this, is that we have raised a generation that has information, but they haven't experienced any revelation. Let me explain it to you this way. That information without revelation equals frustration. Let me try this side, okay? Information without revelation becomes frustration. And let me explain it to you this way, without getting too spiritual. You know you should eat well. Work out, get, well, get healthy, right? You, you know it in your mind. But when you try to do it, you haven't had that revelation yet to put it into practice. So as a result, you have a hard time passing 31 flavors. You end up getting, you, you eat it, then after that you're frustrated because you can't lose weight, you're not, you go to the gym, you don't know what to do, but the moment you walk into the doctor's office and the doctor says, listen, unless you lose weight, unless you do something drastic, you are going to have a massive heart attack, you're going to have a stroke, or something's going to happen, or you have something like that, and the doctor says you have to change your lifestyle, now I have the information, I've had the revelation because I went through a heart attack, a stroke, or something physical, and now I recognize I need to bring a change. When we have the information minus the revelation, it equals frustration. And the problem is this, is that many of us, listen closely, many of us know God. We just don't know him. We have information as to there is a God, but we've never experienced God in our own lives. We, we've heard about God. We've heard our parents talk about God. We've heard individuals talk about God. But we've never experienced God on our own. God is a concept that's out there that is separated from you, dis, uh, disconnected from you, and you don't understand how that applies to your life today. Because we have a group of people that don't understand or don't know who God is. It said the, the word goes on and says that they didn't know God nor know the deeds. Everyone say deeds. That word deeds literally refers to what God has done, made, or performed. Now follow me on this, okay? They heard stories about what God had done. They heard their parents talk about how they brought them out of the promised land, how they, they crossed over into the, into the desert, how God uh, fed them manna from heaven. See, I need you to understand something, that this generation had heard stories, but they had no stories to tell of their own. They didn't experience God. They never came into contact with God. You see, I want you to notice the children of Israel, these guys were in bondage. They were in bondage for 400 years in slavery. And then Moses is raised up. Moses comes up, delivers them out of Egypt with the 10 plagues. And then all of a sudden they cross over, get come out of Egypt. And when they come to the Red Sea, the armies of Pharaoh coming down upon them, God opens up the Red Sea. They pass through on dry land. On the other side, 
inside, the army of Pharaoh comes after them. The water closes up and destroys their enemy. And when they go into the promised land, God feeds them with manna from heaven, water from a rock. There's a pillar of fire at night, a pillar of cloud by day. God is taking care of them with manna every day. God showed up and in that process takes them over to the land of promise where they cross over. They see the walls of Jericho fall down flat. They walk in and they take over cities they didn't build. They're, they're, they're eating from, 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 uh, from fields they didn't plant. They're drinking from wells they didn't dig. And God gave them a land that didn't belong to them. The power of God showed up on their behalf. Yet, now that they're moved in, they've gotten comfortable. No one's telling stories about what God did anymore. Fathers have stopped talking about what God did. Psalms 118.17 says this, I will not die. Instead, he says, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Listen to me. It's not enough to have God do something for you. You have to open your mouth and start telling other people what God did for you. You need to open your mouth and tell someone how God met your need, how God healed your body when you were sick, how God restored your marriage when it was broken, how God gave you peace in the midst of that depression. It's time to declare the goodness of God. Why? Because there rose up a generation that didn't know God. They heard about him, but they didn't know him. Somewhere along the way, you have fathers that stopped sharing the promise. Church, listen to me today, is that we have have raised up a generation in America today that doesn't have a clue who God is. They've never experienced God. They've never heard from God. They've never touched God. They've never seen God heal anyone. They've never received the peace of God. They've never seen the glory of God even show up in their own homes. They've gone to church, but that generation is yet to see the power of God. We've raised a generation that knows God but doesn't know God. And that's on our watch. But I'm here to tell you today, not on my watch, that we are going to raise a generation that knows God. We're going to raise a generation that's familiar with the power of God. That they're going to know a generation, not head knowledge, but a generation that has experienced the presence of God in their life. And I'm here to tell you that if they're going to walk away from God, they're going to have to step over the blood of Jesus. They're going to have to step over the Holy Spirit. They're going to have to step over the Father. They're going to have to walk away from the blessing and the power of God to get away from God. Because they're going to know who God is. The only way that happens is somewhere along the way, someone stopped talking about the promise. In Genesis chapter 22, turn your Bibles with me there. That's the first book after this Bible belongs to. Genesis 22, and it tells a story. It tells a story of uh, Abraham, where Abraham had a promise. Follow me very closely this morning. Abraham has a promise that his son, that he's going to become a father of many nations. And he's been waiting to have a child, waiting to have a son. And all this time, he's 99 years old, and that promise is yet to happen through him and his wife, Sarah. 
He had Ishmael, but he's been waiting for God to give him a son. And finally, God gives him a son. He's seen the promise come about. He's 99 years old when his son is born. And now his son is growing up. His son's becoming a young man. And he sees God, the promise of God in him. He shared the promise with his son. He's talked about how, son, you are the son of promise. God gave me you. God promised you that you were going to be here. And you are the answer to my promise. That he always talked about how great you're going to be, son that God has a plan for your life and the father was sharing with his son just how great he was going to be how God was going to use him he had shared with his son the promises God gave to him and he spoke it into his son I'm here to tell you right now that if your father never spoke life to you if your father never told you you had a promise I'm here to tell you right now that every one of you in this room has a promise every one of you in this room that God has a promise over your life and a plan for your life as well But then something happens. God gives him a command or or tells him to do something that just seems totally contrary to God's heart. He he tells him here in verse 22 of chapter 22. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now, this this is something that I don't know about you, but this goes against the total, the character of God. You don't find God asking anyone to sacrifice a child anywhere in the Bible. This is against God's character. You don't see this. And yet he tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son. In fact, not just your son, the son you love. It's been interesting to ask him to sacrifice the son you don't love. Some of you got some kids you'd like to sacrifice, huh? Yeah, God, I'll give you that one all the time. That one kid that you just want to sacrifice right now, Lord, I'll give them to you. You can have them. I'll give them to you right now. Uh, Don't laugh, mom or dad, if you're sitting next to that kid. Now take take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I should tell you. Now, I need you to understand that... We, we need to have fathers today. Listen to me, dads. We need dads today that rise up that will obey the voice of God. We need some fathers that will rise up and listen to the voice of God today. And I want you to see what happened. Abraham, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, that Abraham did this by faith. Everyone say faith. He believed that even if I sacrifice my son, that somehow God would even raise him back from the dead and that he would be delivered back to him again. In fact, he tells a servant while they're walking to the, to the mountain, the servant says, I'm going to go with you. He says, no, no, you stay here. Me and the boy are going to go up and worship. And when we get done worshiping, we're going to come back down to you. I don't know how it's going to happen. He didn't tell anyone whether God is going to kill him and raise him up. But one way, somehow, some way, we are going to go up together, we're going to worship together, and we're going to come back to you together. My promise is not done. Somebody say amen. So I want you to see by faith, Abraham was really walking by faith. And that word faith, I want you to understand, faith will trust the words of God in spite of everything in the physical realm that is contrary to it. We have to be able to trust God when everything in the physical realm tells us no. 
That when my eyes see something different, when my eyes are viewing something different than what the Word of God says, that I trust the Word over what my eyes see because there's a promise that is greater that is on me than the situations that I'm facing in the world. There is a promise on your life that some of you know that God gave you a promise of health, but all you see is sickness right now. I'm here to tell you that the promises of God are greater than the sickness on your body. I want you to know that God promised... He would restore your family. And all you see is the brokenness in your family. You need to know that the word of God over your family is stronger than what you see in the physical eyes. That God's grace is greater. Somebody say amen. So I want you to see what happens here. Mr. Yee, come up here. Yee, come here. Don't act all crazy now, Adam. Just come on up here, bro. Be cool, okay? Now, I want you to notice something. Abraham takes his son, his only son. Now, he had another son by the name of Ishmael. Now, based on the word of God, one of the things I want you to see is that they're getting ready to go worship. So look at verse verse 6 of chapter 22. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. So he gives him the wood. Now, this is how we know he's not a little kid. Because to take the wood to the place for the burnt offering, he had to be able to carry that wood. And you're not going to give, you're not going to give a a three-year-old a bunch of wood. You're not going to even give an eight-year-old a bunch of wood to carry. He had to carry the wood. Why? Because at this time, Abraham's over a hundred plus years old. And he's not going to carry that wood. And so he gives the wood. He gives the burden to his son and his son takes the wood. Now I want you to notice what happens here. Look what the word says. And so he laid it on Isaac, his son. Then he took the fire, someone say fire, Fire. in his hand and a knife. So Abraham takes the fire and the knife in order to kill his, the sacrifice. Okay, now notice what happens here. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to his father and said, here I am. No, no, right here. See my finger right there? My father. Okay, let me see. I think this thing is, uh, try that again. My father. (laughs) He's going through puberty, so (laughs) going through that time in life here. And so Abraham responds and he says, here I am, my son. And then he says, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, Now, see what's going on here. Isaac, because he's been raised under his father's care, his father's taught him about the sacrifice. He knows the elements of worship. We've raised a generation that doesn't have a clue on what it is to worship God. We've raised a generation that doesn't know the elements of worship. They don't know what it is to sacrifice. We want things immediately. We want things right now. We want you to give me what I didn't earn because I want it right now. We've raised a generation that has no clue what it is to sacrifice. We want what mom and dad accomplished at eight years old, what took them 40 years to obtain. Because they don't know what it is to sacrifice, but the father, Abraham, took time to teach his son what worship was about. You can't send your kids to church. They got to see you 
lead them on what worship is all about. We need fathers and mothers that are teaching what worship is. Not just saying, go to church while you sit home watching football or sitting at home watching, the, watching different things. you got to make sure you are instructing your kids in the way that they should go, that you're showing them. Because he was smart enough to say this, Dad, wait a minute, you got the fire, you got the knife, but we're missing something. Where, where, where's the sacrifice? I know what worship, I've gone with you before. We've gone this way, we've done this before. We're missing something. And that's what he says, Dad, we're missing something. He knew that one of the elements were missing. Why? Because Isaac learned from his father these three things. Check this out. Isaac learned. He learned who God was through his father's stories. Dad told him about the stories of God. Dad took time to instruct him. He knew worship through his father's example. He watched his dad as his dad would take him and they would kill the lamb and they would put it on the, on the altar. So he was familiar with this. And he also learned the promise through his father's faith. Because all the time he would tell his son, son, you're, you're, you're the promise. You're, you're not just my son, you're the promise. God gave me a promise that he was going to give me a son and you're the fulfillment of that. Dads, if we would take more time in sharing with our kids that they're the promise, not the problem... Say it again, Pastor, that we let our kids know that they are the promise, not a problem. That they would know today that there is a promise on their life, they're not the problem. Because kids will become the very thing that we speak to them that they are. Do you understand that when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were trying to take the promised land, that 10 of the 12, 10 of the 12 uh, spies said that we can't do it? And God's response to them was this. As you spoken in my hearing, let it be unto you. In other words, what God was saying, I don't agree with what you said, but because I created you in my image and you also create like I create by the spoken word, you spoke that you'll never receive it, so as a result, you will never get it then. That's why when you say, I'll never, I'm never going to get in shape. I'm never going to have a great marriage. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to get out of depression. I'm always going to be in this situation. My marriage will never be whole. Every time you speak that, you create an atmosphere where that is true. you got to change your words if you want to change your life. We don't understand the elements of worship anymore. Stay with me. I'm going to close in a moment. But I want you to see what happens here in verse 9. Then they came to the place. Everyone say place. place. The, 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 the place literally means the station. The, fathers, we need to come. Moms, we need to come to that place. We need to come to that place of standing. We need to come to that place of rising up, stationing ourselves, and say, this is what we stand for. As for this family, this is what we stand for. We believe in who God is. We are going to serve God. We're going to worship God. We're going to commit our lives to God. We need to make a stand today. But some of our kids don't get a clue or don't have a clue on where you stand because one Sunday we're committed to God. By Monday we're not committed. By Tuesday Tuesday night, we're, we're, we're rededicating again. By Wednesday, we're backslidden again. They don't know, based on your life, where you're at. We need to show our kids today that we are serving God. We made a choice to serve God, no matter what comes. Now, take a look. So, so Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, uh, Isaac's 100 years old plus. Okay, stay with me. I know I look too good to be 100 years old, but... 
He's coming up and Isaac's behind him and they start building the altar. They start bringing the rocks together and they start building the altar, okay? And so he just tells his son, if he's like my dad, he'd say, just get that rock, put it over there. And then that rock, and then he would say that we built it, even though I was the one that did all the work. How many kids know what I'm talking about? He grabbed that over there and put that there. And after they did that, all of a sudden it came time for the, for the sacrifice. And look, look what the Bible says here. And Abraham built an altar there and he placed the wood on it. So put, put the wood down there, son. Takes all the wood that he carried, the burden that he brought up there. And then he does this. And he bound Isaac. Uh, son, you don't, you don't see the, the sacrifice because you're it. Now, he takes the son and he binds him up. Now, now th- this is important. I need you to understand. Because many of us have chosen churches based on the music. Based, we, we've chosen churches based on friendships. Chosen a church based on the fact that it's closer to home. But you don't choose a church based on how close it is or whether they preach them or even if you like the preacher's message. You choose a church based on the promise that is on the spiritual father of the house. You choose a church not based on the worship, but on the promise. You choose a church based on the promise that's on the man of God. Because there is no place that we find in the word of God, nowhere where you see God revealing himself to Isaac and saying, Isaac, your father is going to act like he's going to kill you. Isaac had to trust his spiritual father, his physical father, to trust him that he's about to do something. That I don't understand what you're doing, Dad. God never spoke to me, but I learned worship from you. I learned God from you. I learned the promises from you, and I'm going to trust you at this time. Notice this. He doesn't take off running. And Isaac, Abraham's running after him (laughs) with his cane trying to bring him back. Get over here. The very fact that he, that he gave his father the opportunity to bind him tells me that Isaac submitted willfully to the promise that was on his father's life. Thank you, that one person that got it. Because I need you to understand, that's why many of us are walking in problem, not in promise. Because you're running away from the promise that's on your spiritual father's. You're running away from the promise that's on their life and that you will never receive it until you submit because you're afraid they're trying to kill me. Now, you may feel like we're trying to kill you. He lays him on the altar. Lay down right here, man. Just don't fall asleep like Sepha did last service. I should have brought a real knife. And see if he goes, yee. <laughs> and so he lays him on the altar he's getting ready to, to, to kill him can you imagine the conversation he's having with them before he binds him hey son uh, there is no lamb, there is no lamb. Uh, I brought you up here because today you're the one that's going to die uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the altar and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light you up God told me to. Now, you got to remember, dad's over 100 years old. 
you got to start wondering, Dad, are you going senile? <laughs> Dad, you're losing it. Dad, you know, I, I think as you've gotten older, I think there's some things that are wrong. You're not, you're not really hearing God like you used to. But he's getting ready. See, there's no evidence that he ever spoke to God. But the, he trusted the promise on his father because his father had rehearsed the promise with him. That he comes to the point that he's getting ready to kill him. And as he's getting ready to kill him, notice what the next verse says. Right when he's getting ready to kill, they came to the place. Keep going. Next one. All right. Verse uh, 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand with the knife to slay his son. And then all of a sudden, something powerful takes place. Look at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord said to him from heaven, Abraham. Abraham, this is so important because we have churches that are killing their young people based on an old word. We have individuals that are, that are slaying the, a generation because of a word they got yesterday. You don't need a spiritual father that has heard from God. You need a spiritual father that is hearing from God in that very moment. What am I saying? As he's getting ready to kill him, the Bible says, Abraham, Abraham, and he stops. Here I am. He responds to God, and God tells him this. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. He's saying simply, stop. See, there are things that we hold dearer to us than what we hold God. There are things that we worship more than God. Our job, our family, our career, our possessions. And we found ourselves building a life instead of building a legacy. That God tells him, stop right there. Don't harm the boy. You see, we need to make sure that we don't, we're not just hearing the voice, have heard the voice of God, but that we are hearing the voice of God. We need a now word from God. And we're sacrificing way too many sons on the altar of promise based on an old word. But Isaac's faith became personal when dad cuts him loose, raises him up. And the moment he gets up, they hear a sound. See, if, there, if there's a, a ram that's stuck in a bush, that ram's going to be moving around. You're going to hear him. But they don't notice the ram stuck in the bush until after Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his son. What am I telling you? Is that when God sees that you're willing to give him your all, then God will reveal the promise that's already there. See, you're looking for the ram right now, and you're like, you know, I, I know, God, you want, me to, you want me to kill this thing, but I know there's the, where, where's that other thing you're going to provide real quick? I know you're gonna, you, you want me to do this, but, and God's like, I'm not showing it to you until you're willing to give that up. You're looking for the ram, and you haven't even given, given, your, given your all to God. It wasn't until they, he was willing to give it up did God reveal himself to him. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Isaac's faith became personal when he submitted to the promise that was on his father. I'm here to tell you something right now, that this generation, our young people, need to see the promise in us. Promise has to be activated in us. We're, we're, we've raised a generation that doesn't know God. 
Look at the condition of America today. I don't have to tell you what's going on in the news. I don't have to tell you what's taking place in our society right now. I don't know about you. I need to know that there's a promise that's on my life. And people have always asked me, Pastor, what's your vision? What's your dream? Because I'm here to help fulfill your dream, they would tell me. And I always told people this. My dream is to see your dream come about. My call is to see you reach your full potential. And I've always said whether you're here one day or until Jesus comes, you're going to leave here a better person than when you arrived. You might get mad and leave here someday, but when you leave, I guarantee you, you're going to leave here a better person. You might be mad at me when you leave. You might not like me when you leave. But when you leave, you're not going to be able to deny I left here a better person than when I arrived here. Because I got the word of God. I was taught the word. I was given principles to get better in my life. And so one thing I want you to understand, that one generation died, another generation rose up, but it didn't know the deeds. It didn't know the works. It wasn't familiar with what God had done. And it was tragic. Somewhere along the way, the father stopped speaking. I'm here to tell you something. They got comfortable. And it's time for us to start getting uncomfortable once again. Stop living our comfortable lives and recognize that we're part of a church because God has a plan for you. There's a gap that exists where Moses hands off the, the, the baton to, to, to Joshua, that, that we have the gap where Elijah gives it to Elisha, that Paul gives it to Timothy. But who are you giving it to? Ezekiel 22, verse 30 says, I searched for someone who would stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. It's not enough to have a good service. Sons aren't looking for a church. They're looking for a promise. Some of you sons and daughters in this house right now, there's a promise that's on your life that I want to awaken today. That God has a promise for you. But I want you to understand something about the promise and the anointing. Is that whenever, with the, with the whole relay Brother Dave, stand up, my man. If you ever seen a relay race, that when they're doing a relay, the individual in front is not allowed to run until he gets the baton. And that individual that's running the race doesn't run the race and do this. He doesn't run the race and when he catches up to the, to the next runner, hold on to it and say, no, this is mine. I'm not going to give this to you. But yet many of us are holding on to the promises and the blessings of God like they're exclusive. But the promise is no good until you give it away. The anointing's no good until you pass it on. And we have families, people that are enjoying it. Oh, this is my anointing. It's been so great. This has been such an amazing service. It was just, oh, I just love the presence of God. This has been, thank you, God, for when you moved in my life 40 years ago, but he's done nothing since. And all this has become is a monument, not a movement. 
The cross was never supposed to be a monument. It was supposed to be a movement. What am I telling you today? We need fathers that have a promise that they can share with the next generation. If my promise is big enough for me to live, then I dream too small. It's time to live the promise. What's your promise? I want you to notice something today. There's a promise on my life. There's an anointing on my life. Whether you walked in here because you enjoyed the music or whether you were invited by a friend, I want you to know you walked in not to a church. You stepped into a family today. And there's a promise on this father's life. And that promise God gave to me, I share with you. But that promise doesn't stop with me. Because as I lay that promise on your life, that is on my life, and I give it to you. As I take the promise that God's given to me, and I pass it on to you. As I take the gift and the promise that God's placed on my life, and I give it to you. And I take the promise that God shared with me. And I share it with you. I pass the promise that God has poured out on my life. And the gift, the call, the anointing that God's given to me. And I give it to you. I'll take the other one away from you. That's not yours. I didn't give it to you. I take the call that has been placed on my life and I give it to you. I take the promise that God has placed on my life and I give it to you. Those of you that have your call and the promise, stand up and come join me up here. I want you to notice that those that are standing here are people that are close to me, people that are my staff and so forth, but it doesn't stop there. You now go and pass that promise to someone else and bring them up here with you. But before they come up, they need to pass that promise out to someone else and bring them up as well. Start the process until we're all at the altar. See the way promise works. It's no good if it just sits with you. It has to affect others as well. As you receive this baton and you pass it on, whatever promise that you are believing God for, I want you to believe right now that God is bringing about that promise in your life as you share it. Keep coming. 
passing it. Notice they, all they did is the people up front first so they didn't have to walk all the way to the back. See, for those of you in the back row, if you sat closer, you'd get the promise earlier. <laughs> Come on, keep coming. In fact, if you want to go up on stage as well, you're welcome to step on stage and take some space up there as well. Some of you are like, man, if I knew they were going to make me come to the front today. Keep making room. Keep making room. Let's let make room for everyone to get up, get up at the altar. Thank you. Amen. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep moving up on stage, too, if you'd like. That's fine. We'll keep making room. Because I want everyone at the altar. Why is that important? Because it was the altar that Abraham brought Isaac. And I want you to be familiar with the altar. The altar was a place of sacrifice. The altar was a place of death. The altar was a place where things came to die. And God was simply saying this, listen, if you're willing to give me your best, I'll give you everything. You give me just your little, I'll give you much. Don't hold out on me. Give me everything you got. The things that are most close to you, the things that are most important to you, that if you give it to me, I promise you that I will bless you, that I will multiply you, that I'll make you more than the numbers of the stars or the sands of the sea. God wants you to know how much he loves you. That his only son came to that place of altar and gave his life for you. I want you right now, I want you to think of a promise. What is it you need from God today? What is it you're praying for? Is it financial? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it relational? Whatever it is that you need from God right now, I want you to know God loves you so much that he gave you a spiritual father that has a promise on his life that is willing to pass that promise on to you if you would just grab a hold of it today. You didn't walk into a church, you walked into a family. And the great thing about a family is this, is that if you have a spiritual father, follow me. You have a spiritual father, you don't have to live by sowing and reaping any longer. Sowing and reaping is you get what you deserve. I plant something and I get something back. But when I have a spiritual father, I live by inheritance. I don't get what I deserve, I get what my father paid for. That's why I work hard to keep my marriage strong so that your marriages have hope. That's why I work to stay out of debt to make sure the financial promises in me can be passed on to you as well. That's why you don't find my name in all these different, these different scandals that are going on. Why? Because I live a holy life to make sure that I can pass on that glory of God to you as well.
Because you got a spiritual father that whether you know it or not, even if you reject this fatherhood, you're loved. There's someone praying for you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.